Hello, everyone, and thanks for tuning in to Be Empowered with R.C. Riley. This podcast features topics aimed to educate queer, trans, and BIPOC, that's Black, Indigenous, people of color, communities. The hope is that you will feel empowered to engage in activities that promote healing, wholeness, and equity within marginalized communities. Today's guests are Dr. Demarcus Hayes, Shannon Kaysen, and Reverend Pierre Keyes. And this is the Sexual Assault Awareness Month episode, DDT, Daddy Daughter Time. Just going to dive in and talk about a range of topics about how fathers relate to their daughters and about how men and women relate to one another and society. So gentlemen, I know that when I first asked you to come on the show, you must have been like, wait, what's the topic? Wait, what? <laughs> so was anybody hesitant um, when I first reached out? Well, you said who wanted to hear a bunch of guys talk about this topic? Probably was the mm. first thing that came to my mind. Okay. Okay. Anybody yeah. else? Or everybody was cool? I was the same way. Kind of hesitant. Uh, even when I, uh, you know, it's, it's an uncomfortable topic, and then we're talking about our daughters. But I, I, I like to lean into discomfort, so that's why I'm here. <laughs> All right, Raylan Keys, what about you? Um, I thought I thought it was an interesting topic. Um, when I initially saw the topic, I didn't read down far enough. I just saw that it was going to speak about sexual assault for sexual awareness month, and I thought, and you were having some brothers on there. I was like, oh wow, that's a good idea because. Um, we don't nuance sexual assault, um, in my opinion, collectively as a, um, as a society. Um, and maybe she's getting these brothers here to see how um, we don't talk about sexual assault as being something that's bi-directional. Or we don't talk about um, the sexual debut of young boys happening, you know, younger than any other demographic. So I thought you wanted the male perspective from that. But then you wanted, you know, to blend in how we deal with it, our daughters, which I thought was fair as well. So I'm excited and I uh, appreciate you inviting me. Nice, nice. I'm glad hey, to have you on. Can I, how, how old are the brother's daughters? Because my daughter is 10. Mine's nine. Okay. And then Shannon? 12 and 11. 12 and 11. Um, so I wanted to get a, a good little range here. Um, but I just want to start with Reverend Keys. Tell, tell us a little bit about you and your daughter's relationship. So you just told her um, your daughter is nine years old. Tell me how your relationship has been from birth until now. I mean, we, we, we're, we're tight. Um, you know, like any child, um, when they first born, they cling to the mom, especially if the mom's nursing. Yeah. Um, and at the time, her mom was in grad school in the evening. And this is, you know, she was born in December. Let's just say her mom went straight back to grad school that spring. And so in the evening, it was just me and her. Um, you know, she was only like three months old at the time. And those were some challenging nights. You know, she wanted to be nursed by her mom. Mm-hmm. Um and I say about the age of two, she was just up under me wherever I go. If I was taking the garbage out, if I was going to the store, if I fell asleep, um, if I was using the bathroom, she wanted to be up under me. So we've been tight ever since. But now, I think for the last year, year and a half, uh, it's like balancing out now. You know, she's nine years old. You know, she wants to do girly girl stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, because, like, you know, a lot of people brag about having a daddy's girl. But yeah. If you had a true daddy's girl, it can be overwhelming at times because, you you know, you feel like you have a Siamese twin attached to you. 
but <laughs> but um I'm appreciative of it. Um, I think she brought out the best of me. Um, and she, she's made me the dad that I am today. I never knew the type of father I would ever be. So I was never, you know, in a rush to have kids. But mm-hmm. it's definitely uh, made me the father I am today. Shannon, what about you? Tell me about your relationship with your daughters. Uh, my my one daughter. Okay, so my story is a uh, is not a. Not a story you ever heard before. My first, my first, I got two two different mothers, my daughters, and uh, my first daughter. We when we, we we broke up, me and me and her mother, or we we separated and split, and we were living in Chicago, and she moved back to uh, Jersey City when my daughter was three months old, and it was a it was a it was a bad breakup. So in the sense of, it's been a challenge to to have a like a, a, a full relationship with my daughter because everything has to kind of go through courts. And after a while, it kind of, it takes a toll on the relationship. It takes a toll on everything. And uh, I mean, it would be visits I would go to. And I've talked a lot about these in podcasts, homemade stories. Like I, I would visit and not even see my daughter. I mean, just go there and she'll just decide that I can't see her, you know? So years and years of that. and it's, 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 it's put a toll on their relationship. And that's a sensitive topic for me. Kind of made me hesitant to, to want to talk about this too. You know, even as I was thinking yeah. about it, I'm like, man, do I want to go there? Cause I be a ball of tears and stuff. You don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to. I know, I know. And um, my, my, I had another daughter too. So started a new relationship and, and, this was like while we were separated. So they had, we had moved and she she had uh, moved away. We were going through a divorce and, you know, life and single life in, in, in Chicago and uh, ended up having another daughter. <laughs> so so when my when 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 my second daughter was on the way, it was almost like uh, the life I had left or lost. I was starting new and I, I, I was holding on with all my, all my, all I could to keep mm-hmm. that relationship and keep everything together. Cause I wanted, to, I couldn't have like two daughters across, you know, in different places. That's not even me as a person. So um, uh, ended up long-term relationship, uh, we had our daughter married and, and everything else. So my, my wife now, my daughter's now is uh, be 12, Actually, next month, very close relationship, and I, I it is similar to to Pierre, where where right up under me all all throughout when you know, but as she kind of reached a certain age, she got really heavily into girly girly things. She really girly girly, you know, like mm-hmm. so it just takes an hour to get dressed and everything now. So um, I had to put her closet together. She, her and her mom have a room with the full closet. Dad, can you put this in my closet? So. Now they're out of town. They're right now and they're in, they're in uh, California for a visit to some friends and I'm fixing up her bedroom while while they're so we have a a real cool relationship, you know. So fantastic. I'm a daddy's girl. So when I hear men talk about their relationships with their daughters, I just like get crazy. I love it. Love it. Um, yes. Okay. So Dr. Hayes here. Uh, Shannon, let me say, I'm jealous because if they ask me to put a closet together, they in trouble. <laughs> you better take what come in the house. I'm, I ain't doing that. <laughs> uh, That's funny. But my 
my my dog, that's 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 my baby, right? That's my youngest, number one. So we had two kids. Me and my wife, we always air quotes argue about why we had a third kid. I blame her, she blamed me. <laughs> I told her she knew she wanted a daughter, but she said, No, you wanted a daughter, so let's see what happened. But whatever, whatever <laughs> happened, happened. You know, we went for the number three to see if we was gonna get that daughter. Bonus baby. Huh? Bonus baby. Yeah, the bonus, the bonus baby. Uh now that we see how much college costs, I don't know. That was three kids. Woo. <laughs> um, so, you know, me personally, I knew I always wanted a daughter, right? When I was, I wanted a baby girl. I wanted a daddy's girl. I always knew that. Her name, I had it picked out. It was in the Tony Tony sign. Y'all might know it is. I love you, you know, whatever. So uh, I knew I had that name from day one. So when she was born, just like you were saying, you know, mom, nurse, but I wanted to be really involved. So begrudgingly, I got up every night in the middle of the night. I did all the diaper changing and I'm like, here, here the baby, you know, so I, I participated. But she is always up under me. We we had this thing. We So all of our, my name is begins with a D. Her name begins with a D. All my kids' name begin with a D because they know who the dad is. <laughs> and so we had something called DDT. We call it daddy daughter time. And we've oh. been doing it since she was a baby. And what that is, it's probably two minutes, three minutes. We just chilling, laying on the bed, tickling, laughing, just just together. And we've been doing DDT since she was little, right? And we just call it DDT. We just kind of kick my boys out. My wife like, y'all move. It's our time. Oh. And she is 10, but we still doing DDT. And we'll have discussions about, you know, one day you're gonna have to get married and then you're gonna like some other man more than your daddy. And no, no daddy, we're gonna have DDT for the rest of my life, right? I said, well, you're gonna be too big to lay on daddy's chest or sit on daddy's lap. So we just had to sit on the couch and together. So we have a, a tight bun and I mess with it almost every day about who you love more, mama or daddy, right? <laughs> you gotta pick daddy. So she'll whisper daddy and then tell mommy, no, I love you too. But that's our, run, that's our running thing that we do. So, I mean, I love, it's, it is something about that daddy daughter, like my boys. I mean, that's everything too. We got a different relationship. That's everything, but it just, it's different with my little girl. Of course. And unfortunately you got a 12, 11 and yours is not, not a little girl anymore. Right. But I said, Oh man, you still a little, I remember when you fit in the palm of my hand kind of thing, but Woo, I picked her the other day. I said, girl, you threw daddy back out, man. We got to stop. I can't be picking you up. We people are done for that. But all up under you. And uh, some in the water because she girly, 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 girly. I mean, she thinks she the next Disney star, the dancing, the singing. The, she picked out my shirt and my outfit because what I was going to wear to work today. Nah, I don't like that. So she had to pick out my clothes for me. So I pretty, and then she picked out mama dress when we went out the other night. So like, cool, I'm, I'm going to keep you around. You make us look good, so. But that's our relationship. Good. Um, you warm my heart hearing those stories about the nature of your relationship with your daughters. And I like to start out with um, talking about the relationships that we have, because that kind of sets the stage for how we converse with our children as they age. Um, as you all may know, I have a 15 year old son, um, but I'm a daddy's girl. I'm the only girl. I have three brothers. And I remember my daddy saying to me, when some boy came to the door, I must have been 16. This boy lived like a couple of blocks down. My daddy said, if he come back to this door, he's leaving in a body bag. 
And I was like, oh, I don't know what to do with that information. Like my daddy, um, if you knew my dad, you would say he's not an aggressive, I don't know, Pierre, if you remember my daddy, but he's not, yeah, he's not aggressive or anything like that. So for a little girl or a teenage girl to hear that, it's like, oh my Lord, okay, we all scared now. So, and then I started dating some boy in high school, um, Reverend Keys and I went to high school together, so I might reference him. School from kindergarten to senior in high school. Yep, we we sure did. So we know <laughs> oh, yeah, I, yeah, I can vouch. She was a daddy's girl. Her dad was at every event, every <laughs> yeah. like every day. He was always there. He he taught a history class in high school, like fielding it. Yeah, my dad was always like I'm extreme daddy's girl. So long story short, for me, anything my daddy said was just that was it. There was nothing else. Like if daddy said the sky was green, the sky was green. I don't care if I'm looking at it and it's another color. <laughs> and then when I was 16 and started dating, uh, dating this boy, I told my daddy because we were that tight. All right. I, I got to tell my daddy everything. Who, who wouldn't tell their daddy everything? So I told my daddy, he was like, uh-uh, you are too young to have a boyfriend. You're going to that school tomorrow and you tell him you cannot have a boyfriend. And I went to school and promptly told him my daddy said that I can't have a boyfriend. My daddy's my only boyfriend. And that was it. Like, that was the end of the relationship. <laughs> now, there were so many others that I didn't tell my daddy about, but that particular one. And so to hear other people and how they relate to their daughters really makes me grin. Because to this day, I am a diehard daddy's girl. Like Your daddy was nice. My daughter can't date till she's 30. So it's see? all good. Well, he didn't say I could date, but, you know, at some point, <laughs> right. Um, right. So when we talk about this relationship you have with your daughters and then we talk about um, like the like, and I, I'm speaking to you all about the heterosexual cis man. OK, so for those who don't know, like cis is the sex assigned at birth is the sex that you identify with. So I was born as a female. I identify as a female today. So for you dads, how do you feel, what do you feel your primary role is as a father to a daughter specifically? You have to be their first male role model. That's kind of how I view it. I always had this saying, like, and it, it, kind of my mama did this to me when I was little, women know women and men know men. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, so my mom, if you, I dated somebody, she's like, mm, I don't know about her. I said, what's wrong? And then you realize, oh, she was right. I kind of feel that same way. A brother know another brother. When you kind of meet them, you like you know if they up to no good, if they got a good spirit or whatever. So I think it's my role to make my daughter see what a good brother is, what a good man is, how he treats, how I treat her mom, how I treat her, her brothers, right. and that's how I interact. Uh, it was a quick story. I, I don't even know. She's 10, so she might have been six. I don't know. And I was talking about, oh, one day you're going to marry a tall, handsome man who's smart, who looks good. And, thought, and I, I laid all these things out. And she looked at me and said, I'm going to marry daddy. Broke my heart. I was like, yeah, girl, you're going to marry your daddy. But not really. But somebody right. liked your daddy. So, And I told my mom that she said, see you raising her because she see you. And so all the good stuff you're saying, she can see that in you. And that's just right. kind of your, that's my role. That's what I feel. Okay. Okay. What about you, Shannon? Yeah, I mean, um, protection, provision, providing for. One of the things is uh, with my daughter, I know I can see the difference between me, my relationship with my daughter, and the relationship she has with 
her mother. And I, I, I like I like that I see it, you know, because mm-hmm. with me, like she'll see me. So so we'll travel and she'll see me on stage doing certain things. And I notice sometimes when she has something to do, like she has to go on stage, I can see her looking at me, you know, in a sense of wanting to do her best. And I always tell her, you know, do your best and 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 to give your all, give a hundred percent. And I can I can see that push because daddy's watching. Mm-hmm. And and I know that even in my relationships with my father and in my relationship with my mother, my my her relationship with her mother, she'll whine, she'll try to get away with certain things. Like, I don't feel like doing it. I don't, you know, but her relationship with me, if I say something and she just do it because she know it's it's a different, it's a different um circumstances. <laughs> you know, but 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 I but I like that. I like that I see that. And I think all kids, but daughters, they need that. You they need mm-hmm. differences right. of yeah. Of uh, from from both parents, you know, right? Uh, For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mom's so, not a pushover either, but it's just a different relationship, totally. Of course, of course. And like when you guys talk about um, being a role model and being a protector, I guess one of my questions is because I know. So I'm a sexual assault survivor. I was sexually assaulted in college, and it's colored my whole view of the college experience. Most of the people that went to Northwestern with me are very proud black cats, right? I'm not because I think of that day, like it happened at 11.07 PM last night. That's how I feel. And that was in 1997, right? And I, or 98, and I still feel like that in this 2021. Um, And when my daddy saw, so I wrote a play called Wrong Way Journey um, that talked about the intersection of race, gender, sexuality, and faith. My dad saw the play and the backdrop was the assault and his job. He's like, uh, like you two already said, um, and I'm sure Reverend Keys would have said, he felt that his job was all about being a, a role model and about protecting me. So when he saw me on stage reenacting the absolute worst day of my life, my father was devastated. Of course, he had known this happened by this time. The first time he saw me on stage, I think was 2016, 2017. But it broke his heart like all over again. My mom was sitting with him. You know, she's crying and everything. And I know in his mind, he's probably thinking, I wish I could have done something to prevent that from having happened. But my dad did everything he could have. He was a loving daddy and everything. And we, as parents, want to make sure that this world is a safe place for our kids. And there's a lot of different ways that we do that. And for my parents' generation, one of the ways they did it is to keep me kind of um, naive. You know, they wanted my world to be simple and just to have flowers and rainbows. Um, and I don't fault them for it um, because they wanted me to enjoy life. And, and this horrible thing ended up happening anyway. And I wanted to know, as fathers, do you do you function in a way in this world in efforts to protect your daughter from things such as, since we're talking about sexual assault, from that sort of situation? Like, is it a conscious thing? Is it more of, in general, just you communicating effectively? I'm just curious about what you think of that. And I'm going to start with Reverend Keys. I mean, I think that's a father's worst nightmare, the dad experience. So there's nothing that what your father experienced cannot compare to what you experienced, the trauma that came from that. But the other side of that is that 
as a father, you feel vulnerable, you feel helpless. I'm pretty sure yeah. he went back and forth with himself, maybe even to this day, like, man, what, what could I have done um, to protect her? Um, I mean, because even now, when we have family gatherings and there are a bunch of cousins over, you know, I got cameras in the bedroom. I'm like, you know, I don't let them like go off and like, I know some family let them kids play in the basement. I'm like, no, an adult needs to be down there. I don't, I don't play that because I'm, I'm aware of that. That's so I, that, that is one of the um, kind of rules that I try to stick to prevent those things from happening. You know, I try to tell her, tell her about being good friends. Uh, I mean, not, not, none of these things can prevent violence a hundred percent. It doesn't make right. you immune to that right. violence, but um you know, one day, as, as you went off to Northwestern, my child's going to have to go off to college or even in high school when she becomes more independent. Mm-hmm. Uh, her and I will have that, are having those talks. I mean, she's only nine. Mm-hmm. So, but I do want to make her aware, um, to be aware of her surroundings mm-hmm. now. And I'm pretty sure that she'll respond good because my, my daughter already suffers from, um, she has an anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. So she's in therapy twice a week for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 it's, and it's done wonders. So the last thing I need is a traumatic event to magnify something that she already has, right. you know, severe anxiety, anxiety disorder. Now, question, Reverend Keys, what made you, because to me, I haven't heard a guy specifically say to me, I'm setting these things up because I'm, that's something I'm aware of. So what made you so conscious of, you know, this is something that could happen. I'm not trying to say it would. I don't want it to, but I'm going to take these very specific steps to ensure it doesn't. As I got older, just hearing about former classmates like yourself and family members who experienced sexual assault, it's like, man, that happened. That person did that. And it's so it just makes you aware. And when I hear the instances, it's always that something like, OK, that's what y'all was doing up there. And so I'm just on on edge, on edge anyway. Like I don't play the two girls going to the bathroom, or the boy and the girl going to the bathroom, or the boy and boy. I mean, when we were growing up, I'm pretty sure you guys can relate. If you had a cousin or a sibling that's of the same sex, and you was over grandma's house, y'all party had in the bath together. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. I don't, I don't think I would do that. Um, for instance, when. As she got older, you know, I used to give her her showers. And as she got older, her mom would say, well, you know, I'm a woman. I think I should give her her showers. I was like, well, who's that? whoever available, you know, will give her her shower. As she got older, I would, I stopped wiping her private. I would, give, I would wipe, I would soap up the towel and I would hand it to her. And now I even do the same thing with my son, um, which he don't always do a good job. <laughs> right. We know those boys. Woo. Yeah. So I, you know, hey, I got to do my too. thing. I do the laundry. Yeah. So. <laughs> So, but but now with both of them, we do have those talks. We uh during shower time, I started having them like two years ago. I said, "Hey, that's yours. You own that. The only person that can touch you there is mommy and daddy when they when you be washing you up or trying to wipe you. you know." So I try to make them remind them that that that's theirs and no one touches that but right. but them. And I mean, one day I won't even hopefully right. I won't even have to do what I do. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. Dr. Hayes, what about you? Is there anything specific that you kind of put in place or is that in the back of your mind or not really? It's just in general parenting. 
I'm not going to say it's something that I constantly think about, but mm-hmm. it's there because like, like the Reverend said, you know, you have friends and you talk and like, oh, wow, really? What? I mean, that happened to you, you know, more than, you know, more than one, you know, and I guess the statistics are kind of, is it one in six, one in five women or, I mean, one, so in, four, four, right? one in four, one in four now, college oh, one okay. four, yeah. statistics, so one in four women. So it's like, wow, you know, it's out there. You know, I work on a college campus, you hear stuff, you, right. you know, things happen. So, you know, what the way I try to approach it, you know, I teach her to be, you know, you are a girly girl, but you are strong. You are mm-hmm. independent. You are mm-hmm. smart. You're not just pretty. You got every. You got all these other qualities. Right. Our pediatrician did a great. I mean, from birth, from birth, our pediatrician that we used and she retired now, but she told the kids, "These are your private parts. Only you, mommy, daddy, and me touch them, and the three of us touch them when it's appropriate. Not right. you know. So those things just been going on from day one, just with the, our doctor, with the pediatrician, yeah. with us talking, right. making sure you know what your private parts are. I mean, right. I would I would pick them up from school. Anybody touch your private parts? <laughs> you know, that's that. Oh, wow. You know, how was school? Anybody touch your private parts? No, yeah. good. Okay, well, what what you learned today? You know, so it's just <laughs> really they might not like that kind of questioning. <laughs> Shoot, I want to know. I, I, I do. I want to. <laughs> I want to keep you safe. Uh, you know, I agree with uh, the Reverend. You know, when your dad heard your story. I know. I mean, I I don't even think I can imagine. You know, right? How it of course, right? Right. Feel. Because, yeah. you know, your dad, your goal as a dad is to protect you and yeah. all of your kids, especially right. your daughter. So, right. you know, anything happens to our kids, we're going to say, man, what, should, what could I have done? What should I have done? Should I have more talk? Should I have done this? Should I have done that? Yeah, so, right. You know, trying to talk and be open. And, you know, my my kids know, uh, you know, I mean, they're all older now. So, of course, they know the private bars and right. no one should touch them and those kind of things. But those are things you start off at an age-appropriate conversation about your bathing suit covers your private parts, your underwear covers your private parts, and you tell them what those are. Right. Have you been feeling tired, having muscle aches and feeling overwhelmed? Are you always doing for others but leave little time for yourself? Well, if you don't take care of yourself, you will never be able to fully give to others. So stay fit, live fully, and give to others without leaving yourself behind. Fit Life Give is a mobile spa that offers full body massage at affordable rates. Massage is a form of fitness, and you need to have a fit-filled life in order to be your best for yourself and others. Book now at fitlifegive.biz. And I was like, son, unfortunately, because of the society we look in, I can't show you mine. I can show you a book. So I showed on the book, right? Um, and I said, but he's, his whole thing was, I still don't get it. So there was a little baby, maybe like four months old. The babysitter was changing her diaper. And my son said, um, is that a vagina? And so the babysitter said, yes. And so afterwards she was freaked out. She was like, your son knew what it was. I, I don't know. It wasn't me. I, you know, she thought I was going to blame her for teaching him stuff he shouldn't know. And I'm like, no, see, this is the problem. Because we're uncomfortable saying words that aren't hands and feet, then people feel like it's something wrong to talk about their bodies. And then they feel uncomfortable saying it when something is really wrong. He shouldn't feel like the word penis is any different than hand or face. The word vagina isn't any different than eyes or ears. It's a body part. You're sexualizing it. We sexualize it. The child is not. It's just a body part. 
So when he went to the doctor, he said, I don't want the doctor touching my penis without gloves on. This doctor was very heavy handed and he was like, you know, just feeling his testicles. He was young. And I said, well, then, son, the doctor won't touch your penis without gloves on. The doctor was like, I don't need to put gloves on. I said, well, then you don't need to touch my son. And I said it in the room with the doctor and my son because I needed my son to know that I don't care what color coat the man has on. I don't care what fancy letters he has behind his name. You have a right to say no or yes to when somebody touches your body, no matter what. And I think that that's the whole thing of it. Um, how do we teach our kids consent? How do we teach our children what it means? And as dads, is that something that has come to your mind? Because now you're adult men. And I want to give you a scenario, okay? And I know we're talking about your daughter, so this may feel uncomfortable because I'm now talking about you as an adult and I'm going to bring it back to your daughters. But an adult male was talking to me recently and in the middle of the conversation, we were just, just talking in general and he got handsy and I told him, don't touch me, okay? Like, I'm not interested in you touching me like that. Like, we, we're friends. I've known this person for a long time. And um, he was like, oh, you know, I'm just playing around. And I'm like, dude, like, you're literally like, he was like playing, like tickling me or something on my waist, but it was not, I just didn't want him to touch me. And so he kept on and I was like, dude, get your hands off me. You know, I pushed him off. I got up, he pulled me back down. He grabbed my hands and literally fondled my whole body, right? During this quick encounter. Now, this is a grown man who's our age, all right? Somebody I've known for a very long time. Just grabbed my hands to keep, to stop me from stopping him from touching my body, okay? I have said no. I have pulled my body away. I stood up and he used his strength to then like keep me from stopping him. Now, I don't believe he understood what consent was. We had a whole conversation about it. We're not friends right now because of this, this and another situation. And the thing is, even though I am 42 years old, I was wrecked by that experience. I was re-traumatized by that experience. I felt like I was being raped in college, the beginning of my sophomore year. I cried so hard, I felt disgusting. All because he fondled my body when I said no, when I didn't want him to, and he thought that he had a right to. And so one of the things that I wonder is if adult men think about what consent means when they have those type of interactions with people they know. To him, I think he thought he was just playing. So he knew he wasn't going to do anything harmful to me. So why should he have to stop touching my body? Now, I take it as you think you have a right to my body when you don't have a right to my body. I'm just curious, do you all think about that? And then do you teach your sons or your daughters um, about making sure that they say you need to ask for consent? I'm gonna start with Shannon. Um, sorry that happened to you. I, uh, I mean, that's, uh, that sounds traumatic, but um, well, my daughter, even me and her, and we probably haven't had that conversation well, we've had it. I'm sure our mom's had a conversation with her and we've talked about that before, like sitting on people's laps and stuff like that. We don't, you know, you don't pick up my daughter. You don't have her straddle your leg and she don't straddle my leg. So, you know, nobody else is going to straddle somebody's leg. 
So those kind of talks we've had. But even with me, no means no. So it's like if we're playing some game, stop. And if she's playing with me and I say, hey, don't, don't, you know, we'll play this game where I karate chop you in the throat. And I say, mm-hmm. I'm not playing right now. Right. <laughs> yep. And that means I'm not playing right now. She has that same right to say she doesn't want to play. She's, she's getting older now. She's 12. Um, um, so we, 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 we leave it at that. I want her to know, like I used to even watch that with boys. I don't, I don't have a son, but I had a younger brothers. My dad, had kids later in life and people used to grab kids by the head you know come yeah. in little man little man right. and i tell my little brother i say hey, if you don't want anybody well i tell him just don't let anybody grab your head like that you know and i just unless you playing basketball and we in the you know in the <laughs> won the championship or something we got that type of relationship but when uh people just you don't know just grab the back of your head tell them not to grab me like that you know so mm-hmm. Certain things like that, I think, are important for adults and parents to let our children know that they have they have authority over their body, and and they can um, they can tell people no, and that, that no should be respected, and also good communication. My daughter knowing that she can she can talk to us about anything, like yeah. like a doctor saying he, he anybody touch your pride, you know, that makes it more. And you talking saying penis and vagina to your son, that makes it less taboo because we, right. we make things taboo yeah. and then they feel like they can't talk about it. So mm-hmm. we 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 um we don't want to make that taboo. Like my yeah. daughter, she'll she'll feel open and you know, her tampons come in the mail now. My tampon, <laughs> you know, she t- I was like, yeah. yeah, put them in your room, you know. Right. So not anything where it's kind of uh, right. odd to talk about. Right. Right. Dr. Key, uh, Reverend Keys, I know you had something to say earlier. It looked like you unmuted. Oh, I was just, I was just agreeing uh, with the guy saying I was, was kind of um, taking back about your story about the guy that respected you. Really? Yeah. That's interesting to me because those situations happen to girls and men literally every single day. That's that is. Um, and I don't know if you all have heard the term rape culture. Um, ever before. But that is that we live in a rape culture where those things happen so often because people don't realize that a a no means a no, that when somebody is pulling away from you, it literally means that you should stop. And where people think that they have a right to touch other people's bodies. I will tell you that on a regular basis, I get people disrespecting me in some type of crazy way either it's verbally or physically. And I will tell you that as friends that I've known for the longest who know that I've been assaulted and so I'm sensitive to that, who will disrespect me physically. And I will have to always like bear down and not cry in front of them and say, I have literally told you to leave me alone. And it's not that I'm dealing with people who are, you know, whatever term you want to use, Predators. So everybody else, these are good guys, mm-hmm. right? They're school teachers. They're, you know, you know, slightly older men who should know better. One of them was 65 years old. Well, he is now at the time he wasn't. And who literally called me and said, and I told this last week to the ladies I was on the phone with or uh, on the uh, podcast with last week, the man called me up and said, I wish that I could come over to your job for lunch and rape you. What? Now, 
he said it twice because I said I didn't hear you thinking he's not going to repeat it. He repeated it. And he said that. And later he told me that that's like locker room talk. That's how men talk. I didn't mean that I literally wanted to rape you. I just wanted to. My 15 year old is in a locker room. I'm pretty sure he's not saying that. No, I've been in a locker room. We don't. He gonna get the real karate chop in the neck if I heard him say that. But here's the deal. People do talk like that. People walk up to women on the street and say, hey, pretty lady, and put their arms on their behind. They do it. And they don't think it's a big deal. That's their body. Did you give them the opportunity? Did you ask for consent? And I think that one of the things I like to do is have conversations, especially with guys about this, because I think that we don't realize that part of our culture is what it means to be a man is to show your dominance over a woman. And so when you see, if you don't know a lady and you at a party and she's attractive and you come up to her and you put your hand low on her waist and rub on her body, that's not appropriate at all. all right. Did you ask yeah. her, did she touch your body? I, I think I, I think the social climate has changed. I know even for me as a dad, I'm more um, cognizant of watching my kids' body language when an adult okay. asks them for hugs. And I've grown to the point where I get ticked off if an adult ask like I don't care like and I don't think growing up I thought like that like you right. know if, if auntie wanted to um right. give you a hug and kiss don't, you know you went over there and did it but when I look back on it I remember my aunt always kissing me after I told her I don't want to be kissed and like biting my neck and I look back on it I'm just like dude she basically was like you know what I'm saying low-key I don't I don't I wouldn't call it assault, but she's definitely violated my space. She went to first base on you, bro. Yeah, and, and so it was never, it was never uncomfortable. But I, I, I would say this, um, because we live in a different social climate, I, you know, I think it's good that we have a, a new conversation on consent because we we didn't talk about consent like this when I was right. I was, I went to HBCU, uh, party culture, uh, football culture, frat culture, and, and all that, and you know, you picked up on body language. I mean, grabbing a girl's waist, one one out of left field. As long as she responded to it, you was good. And, you know what I'm saying? And you and, and if you had any good good head on your shoulders and sense, you knew who to grab and not and not to grab. You knew who was vibing you based on body language. But to your point, you're 100 right. You know, you you are violating their space. I don't know. If, I mean, I'm glad I went to college and was single when I was single. I don't even know how I could move in this space. That's what I was going to I was trying to segue into that because that's my next thing. So we talk about uh, cancel culture and how everybody's been canceled for doing simple things like giving a hug or a kiss like some years ago. But back then it was um, more accepted and now it's not. And um, that's the whole thing. So nowadays people are becoming more aware. It's not that the world has changed in terms of people behaving differently. People are doing the same stuff they were doing before. People are still grabbing or whatever, but now since we're talking about it more, I think people are being aware. Um, and so when we talk about how to move in the space today, mm. and you all are all married, so this may be very different for you all because you're not single men out there. Um, but you, do you feel that it's tough for a man to to function, um, so you're a cis straight man, right? So to function, trying to just interact with a woman with uh, all of this awareness that you're supposed to have. I Thank wouldn't you. know. 
I wouldn't know. I, think I wouldn't know. I've been, I, I've been out the club since what 35, 34 was the last yeah. time I've been out. I mean, back then, girl walked by you, grab her hand. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. and, and, and and she looked back on you. That would kind of be the green light to approach and talk. Um, yeah, I don't know, and I'm glad I I'm glad I don't move in that a, space. You have a son who's going to grow up in that world. But man, I yeah, have a yeah. year old, and he. We talk, you know, my 12-year-old, not so much yet, but my 15-year-old, you know, we watch, you know, we watching TV, stuff on Sports Center, the news. I'm like, hey, and all these guys getting accused of this, that, and the other. I said, hey, you with a girl? She say, no, your hands need to go up and you need to take two steps back and say, oh, okay, I'm sorry. And you need to go. Just, right. you said, you don't even need to put yourself in a situation where somebody can right. come back and say you did something wrong. Right, right. Uh, so but I do know. That there's times when, because I'm not like landing on hard for guys here, because there are times when, quite honestly, um, communication is fuzzy, especially with two young people. And um, I was watching this TV show a couple of months ago, and this young girl had acted like she was older. So let's say she was, she must have been maybe 14, 15, and the boy was 17. Um, and, she, you know, she had been drinking. So she was, you know, out having a good time. For her, she was like, mature enough to be out with the older crowd, girls and guys who are older. And so she um, kind of got the attention of this one guy and she was feeling him. So they kind of went off in the backwoods and she was, you know, feeling him. They both were flirting. But then at a certain point, he wanted to go further than she did. And to your point, Dr. Hayes, there really wasn't a no because she didn't, um, in, in the way you watched it in the TV show, it's like she froze. And she, her body language was just, she wasn't moving. She wasn't into it anymore. But you could see where he didn't see that. Like he wasn't, I would stay from watching that scene. He wasn't purposely ignoring it. He honestly was not aware. Mm -hmm. And that's the piece where I think sometimes our, especially young people get stuck. And even as adults, and that's the piece where I talk to my son a lot about because it's not, you don't always get a yes or a no. You're not always talking to them. It's nonverbal. So you have to be checking in at all times, looking at somebody, noticing them. If somebody's laughing with you talking and everything, one minute, next minute, they're absolutely still, you need to say, hey, how you feeling? What's going right. on? Everything okay. Yeah, you got to do that check-in. You're right. And a, a lot of guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, okay. go ahead. A lot of guys are tone deaf when it comes to body language. Right. Um, I remember, like, I remember in college, a couple incidents, my old roommate will be out. He'd be like, yeah, man, the girl across the club, she's looking at me. I'm looking like, man, she ain't looking at you. She's looking over here. Like, we by the window. <laughs> or um, I was at a music fest in Atlanta a couple years ago with my boys, and we were leaving. And, um, you know, a couple of us um, are married, a couple of us are single. And it was just... Uh, young lady, I, I don't know if she was waiting on an Uber or whatever, and he approached her, and she bagged up, and he kept up, walking up on her, and when we got in the car, when we got back to the hotel room, um, my friend and I just kind of dug in him because that was his second time, like, that weekend, making a woman feel uncomfortable. We were like, man, you know, when we're out, we're not, we're out to have fun. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and at that weekend, R.C., yeah, just saw Outcast perform. No one sees Outcast perform. You ain't gonna have more fun than watching, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Andre and Big Boy perform. I'm like, man, we cool or whatever. 
and he was he was aggressive another and we it was like man you make us uncomfortable mm. and, I, and to your point i do think a lot of guys are tone deaf when it comes to body language because like you said there's more than one way to communicate right but read body language i mean one thing my my dad told me and i stick to when it came to uh intercourse in college one thing i did stick to i would always i would want the woman to give me her panties like that was the that, that was the nonverbal consent. Like oh, like, that's what you're saying. To say you know, yes, I agree. Yes, like like no no one's gonna stop in the heat of the moment, you know, and ask for full disclosure. Usually that doesn't happen. But but like for me, it was just like once that part came, hands off. If you want to give you you know, if you give me the underwear, okay, that is that is that that is that is my green light. Okay, but um. But but like you said, I I I think as um, black men, we need to teach our sons, to, you know, read body language, teach our daughters to be courageous and just courageous. just speak out like a no is enough, like say no, like right. I'm not feeling right. And I can understand men feeling uncomfortable. I mean, I've talked to some men who have told me because this doesn't only go one way. I have had private readings in my home, and I would have purposely have men, women, you know, people of different um, sexual orientations, um, non-binary, everything. And what I found out was a lot of straight cis men had had experiences as early as 13, where they were actually sexually abused by a older girl who was like a babysitter or somebody from the neighborhood. And they said that they felt that that early sexual experience that was non-consensual because now their point was they thought it was like they were a man. They didn't say no, because in their minds, I'm either a big boy or I'm a man now. So I'm not going to say no, even though I didn't want it. And she didn't ask. She wasn't asking for consent. And she had them doing things that they didn't even know about yet. And they had said that they felt like that early sexual experience that was outside of um, their norm or understanding at the time or didn't give them the opportunity to have consent, had them feeling indifferent about sex. So they didn't really think about that two people have to be on the same page and it's something like women girls everybody it doesn't matter what sex you are how you identify people need to learn to communicate but then also to stop at different moments and ask how the other person is doing and certainly can you can you like what's your take on that like on making sure that you have consent because me personally yeah, because yeah, yeah, just in general, yep. like, like what? Well, because I'm curious on that, like, because uh, it is. He said if she gives him the panties, but uh, but it, certain things like you in the heat of the moment. And I see these. I see a lot of news stories. You see a lot of cancel culture now, and I'm you wonder like what what is what? Not me. Just I'm curious as to what people's point of view on what is that. Do we have to stop and like what's right. your take on it? I'm, I'm curious. Yeah. Um, and so the question of how do I, I'll be honest with you, I actually um, have a lot of issues um, intimately. So I need people to ask for consent for a lot of little things. Like I can't have people coming out the blue, um, touching me and kissing me out the blue. I need them to say to me, hey, you know, I'm about to kiss you or can I give you a kiss here? Or if I pull back like instinctively um, because it feels like they're like attacking me, even though they're not. So for me, I understand being in the heat of the moment. I'm a grown woman. I don't think it's that different from a man versus a woman being in the heat of the moment. 
But I think that when you practice having those checkpoints, it gets easier to stop in the moment. Quite honestly, for me over the years, it's been easier to say, you know what, hold on. How am I? And the reason I say it gets easier is because this is one thing I talk to my son a lot about. I check in with myself. So at any given moment, I'm asking myself, RC, how do you feel? And that reminds me to ask the other person that. So like my son, if he's sitting down with somebody and, you know, maybe he wants to hold somebody's hand, I've told him, I'm like, so you check in with yourself. Do you really want to hold their hand or do you think you're supposed to do that? And if that's not something you really want to do, don't do it. But then you check in with the other person. Hey, how are you feeling right now? It can be an open-ended question. And so I think that in the heat of the moment, we're supposed to continue to check in and say, are you okay with me, you know, going as far as touching you here? And then, you know, the outer limit at the very least. And at any given moment, you're paying attention to the body language. But we have so much casual sex in our society that I don't think we take the time to get to know a person well enough to gauge that. So if you meet somebody and you don't know them well enough and you haven't interacted with them in different settings, you wouldn't know what it looks like when they freeze up or when they're feeling squeamish. You know, you, you might not notice that. So how do you guys feel? Oh, well, no, no, let me first go to a question on Facebook. Um, somebody says, great point. As an adult woman, I've had to use my strength to stop a man. Oh, um, DeMarcus Hayes is my older brother and taught me that just because I'm a girl doesn't mean I'm helpless. And that guy learned her strength that particular night, she was saying. She, don't, she didn't used to listen to me. There you go. Listen <laughs> to me, brother. <laughs> Somebody else says, uh, teaching your daughter's consent, does that make you change how you approach women? Now, y'all y'all married, so I... I mean, yeah. <laughs> but do you yeah, think... You know, your view just changes when you do have daughters. You mm. do have a... Uh, it's a reality check. I think for most men, I know for me, you you start to um, understand uh, or even try to understand women more, want to understand women more. I look and I listen to other people, like listening to your relationship with your father. I hear that just right away. Even if I hear like uh, daughters uh, re-meeting their, their fathers later in life or all the, I listen to all those stories because irrelevant to my life yeah right yeah and i, I think it, we, we're older you know hopefully as you grow you learn more you mature more i hope we don't act the same we did when we were at, at northwestern right 18 19 year old i hope we've grown since then and so you your whole approach should change you know like everybody said i remember back in the day in the club you grab him by the hand hey girl and all of this i don't want my son doing it now and no that ain't how you approach a lady you know you Got to come with a little better, something more to offer than that. So, and now hopefully, you know, as we grow, we kind of just pass that on to our kids now, you know. Right. And so do you all think that it's like, for me, it's vital that I teach my son this idea of consent and that he, not just for him asking for consent of another person, but him making sure that he's communicating to the other person and not moving forward until they get his consent. Um, and how do y'all feel about that? Teaching young men to make sure that the other person asks them for consent or that they give their consent before moving forward. Because this is a two-way street. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think that, um, I think you said something really important. A moment ago, I was living in a culture with so much casual sex. 
Um, and I think at the root of we live in a hookup culture. We live in a hookup culture. You really don't know the person with, so you're always taking a risk when you're in an intimate setting. I mean, I think consent for men, I think that looks different differently from women, but but sometimes uh, overlapping. I mean, as a you know, as a man, teenager, you probably you probably have some girlfriends we ain't consent to, but somehow we ended up in a relationship, you know. <laughs> Um, you know, but, but how do you feel about that? I guess that's my point. Like, but, do you feel but no, like no, that's no, okay? No, no, it's, it's 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 not. I mean, I, I mean, I remember being single, dating somebody, and you want them to go home, and they don't want to go home. Like, it's not kidnapped because they in my house, but you're not leaving. What, what is this? What is this? Um, unlawful entry? Like, leave. <laughs> that's that's one of the sayings. It'd be like, chew my. I gotta chew my arm off to get out <laughs> to get out of here or something. So, so yeah. Like, just uh, taking your time, all your time. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I think what RC said is so key is knowing the person that you with. Like being in college in the late nineties, early two thousands, we didn't know everybody that we were. And, and thanks be to God, you know, y'all both look free. None of we're not in jail having this call. Um, nothing happened where um, we put ourselves in those positions. But I do think at the root of it. You have to teach our kids to be mindful of who you make yourself vulnerable to, who you expose yourself to, who you pursue. We have to tell our boys that manhood is not in the number of women you knock down. That is not manhood. That is childish. And I, I, I come from an era where that was ingratiated into us, where, where guys were mocked for being virgins or mocked for right. not having body count that that some other guys have and and, and it's a reversal it, it, it's, it's really sick when you really think about it. it is i agree i'm raising a boy so i i agree like i definitely got to change that dynamic like body count means manhood because I, 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 I even growing up i kind of disagreed with that a little bit because i was like it seemed like you know um having standards or having some kind of some kind of, you know, presence about yourself, not being like the one just grabbing everybody's hand, but but having, you know, being chose sometimes, you know, was was better than running around. And I, I hated to even hang with friends like that sometimes. I'm like, man, you, you, that seemed weaker to me, even though socially it was accepted more. The people thought of it as more, like if you running around the whole place, and I would do it too, don't, don't get me wrong, just to, just to prove that I could do it as well. But at the same time, I would say, see, like it'd be more, more player just to kind of like hang back, <laughs> you know, in my mind. So, mm -hmm. but I, I, I wish we could change the dynamic that body counts are. Uh, but even that terminology, why are we saying body count? Like what, the, what, what is that That's implying? That's a culture thing. So I'm just saying. I, 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 don't I, know, know where I know, I know. I don't know, I know where it stems from. I don't know. Right. Well, I, I think we I, do know. I, I, don't, I don't know. Well, yeah, I, got, I know you're just using the colloquialisms of the day. I got it. I got it. Yeah. That's, the, that's the new one. That's a new one. Yeah. I want to thank you all and ask you if there are any last kind of statements or comments that you want to make uh, to those listening and watching um, or just reflections on this conversation. There's just one thing. Yeah, I know we were talking about daughters, but it's also for our sons too. Yeah. you know, just, you know, I didn't grow up with the best male role model and I'll leave it. And that's saying it nicely. <laughs> so 
any opportunity, whether you live in the household with your child or not, you can still be a father, you can still be a role model, you can still talk to them about things that are important to them so you can help them develop and grow. So it doesn't, and it doesn't have to even be biological parent, you know, any man can step up and help teach. Say it from a true educator. <laughs> and chopping them in the throat always helps too. I like that, Shane. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate just being here with a uh, with a, a mature, mature crowd here, and it's been so so many good uh good lessons uh, shared just in this conversation, and I, I I appreciate being here. I'm honored to be in y'all presence. Yeah, I echo those sentiments. Uh, RC, thank you for the invite. It is an honor and a privilege to have you on. With so you know these two bright brothers. Any man can step up and help teach. Say it from a true educator. <laughs> And chopping them in the throat always helps too. I like that, Shane. <laughs> I, I appreciate just being here with uh with a, a mature, mature crowd here, and it's been so so many good uh good lessons uh, shared just in this conversation. And I, I I appreciate being here. I'm honored to be in y'all present. Yeah, I echo those sentiments. Uh, RC, thank you for the invite. It is an honor and a privilege to have you on. With so you know these two bright brothers. Thanks again for listening, everybody. This episode has been brought to you by FitLife Give, a Black-owned, queer, and trans-friendly luxury mobile spa. FitLife Give specializes in couples and individual massage, from corporate events to spa and pamper parties all across the Chicagoland area. Massage is a form of fitness, and you need to have a fit-filled life in order to give to others. So book FitLife Give for your next event or personal service. Book now at fitlifegive.biz. For more details and bios on today's guests, head over to rcrallyempowers.com. And remember, share this podcast with your friends.